Hello, Rip City! To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 8th of April. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. Here with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold, Brandon Goldner. What's up, B? Instagram or Facebook. You can also get us with those old-fashioned emails. They work just as well. Trailcasters to gmail.com. And don't remember, we do have... Actually, don't forget, do remember, we do have a website. Boy, taking a week off really needs a hit. Trailcasters.com. But the most important thing of all is we're going to need your five-star reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you're using does not matter. What does matter are those five-star reviews because it gets our podcast in front of more people, and more people is more fun. Keith, what do we have on the docket for today's show? Oh boy, do we have a show today. Ian Carmel is here. He's going to be discussing how worried should we be about Portland slipping in the playoff standings. We're going to talk about Wade Baldwin. We're going to be going over Carmel's rising star in the comedy scene and much, much more. Then, as always, on Trailcasters Overtime, we have Portland's sudden rash of injury woes and how much of a worry should that be, as well as maybe there's some hidden gems on Portland's bench that we may not yet have discovered, such as Wade Baldwin. Last week's games and (laughs) next week's games will follow, as always. And then, your listener questions... Now let's turn back to the Trailcasters meteorologist, Brandon. How is the weather in downtown P-Town? Downtown P-Town's looking pretty cloudy, Keith. We got some wind and rain. Last night, you knew we had a storm <laughs> coming through. We had like 40-mile-an-hour winds. We were going down from Portland, down I-5 to Albany, and we saw those tractor trailers and semis slipping and sliding all over the place. <laughs> that was a huge mess, but we got there safely. I do have to say I missed you quite a bit. Good job to you and Ty for picking up the slack Aww. last week. I was in Iceland. The weather report there was cold, some snow, and very beautiful. Beautiful, uh, but you two did a great job. Definitely, if I ever die, you're going to have no problem replacing me at all. Ty did a wonderful job. So, yeah, thanks again for picking that up. Jeez, man, get dark on that one there. Uh, <laughs> but, no, yeah, the, your your Iceland pictures looked amazing. Uh, I think last episode I referred to you as a Sasquatch uh, in Iceland in one of those pictures. I take nothing back. Uh, <laughs> you are not wrong about that. And, by the way, if they don't use my picture for where in the world, I'm going to be so oh, upset. Right? Here's what I do have to say, though. So, my colleague who I work with uh, at my job that actually pays money. He's also an usher at the Moda Center. And he was saying that they already had like three submissions from Iceland this year. So it's not likely that I'm going to get on. I'm so disappointed. He was saying, I I agree. I should have known this beforehand. Like I could have just made up some other country, right? That like no one had submitted Ah, from before. Like, yeah, I'm from make-believe-istan. And then like just see, (laughs) just like see what they would have done. But yeah, some amazing shots from like a real like a classic place out there in Iceland and be like, this is on the dark side of the moon. You'd never know it because you've never seen there. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) I just I didn't have the wherewithal and the foresight to do that. But at any rate, the trip was amazing. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, thanks again for letting me take a week off. I appreciate it. No, no, I had a great time with Ty. Shout out to Ty Delbridge for uh, jumping in and hosting with us last week. Let's move on ahead, though. You know who else has a pod besides you and I? And Ty has Rip City Buzz now, which we talked about last week. That's CJ right. McCollum. CJ McCollum has uh, got his own podcast going Ah, uh, more competition. Dang it. <laughs> I know. This guy just getting in here with his uh, his elite connections and just jumping ahead. On and the no. fact that he is an NBA basketball player and has a major <laughs> in communications from his college. Yeah, no, just kidding. <laughs> how, how dare he? How dare he be a professional from inside the sport who also knows how to talk about this? How 
how dare he want to talk <laughs> about the sport? No, it's wonderful, though. The show is called The Pull-Up. It's CJ and Jordan Schultz. Uh, basically, Jordan fires a lot of kind of topics towards CJ, and you get a, a current NBA player's uh, inside perspective on this. And as we know, CJ is well-spoken. He's well uh I, I guess thoughtful, I guess would be the best way to put it, but he has some like legit opinions on some of the stuff. The first episode, they went over the Western Conference playoff teams below Portland. They talked about the Kawhi Leonard situation in, in San Antonio. Uh, they talked about Durant's saltiness and how that's kind of new this season. So again, you put topics that we have touched on here on the show as well, but CJ has some really nice uh, in-depth uh, opinions on it. Yeah, and I was actually, the thing that struck me most was honestly his candor, because you would think, well, I, you know, NBA player, he's got to respect all of his personal relationships and has to be kind of just mindful of that. And he was, right. he was professional about it, but he was actually much more open about some of these topics, like the Kawhi yeah. Leonard stuff, like he expressed, I think, the same feelings that we're all expressing, that we're surprised that this is happening in a Spurs organization that's been so tightly run. There's been no drama for 25 years, and all of a sudden you have this guy, MVP-level player. He's been cleared to play. He's going to New York to see other doctors. Is he going to come back next year? Is he not? Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker calling him out publicly. And so just I, I was struck by, and I think that you will be struck by if you check this out again, called The Pull-Up, um, CJ McCollum's podcast. I was struck by his candor, and so I really enjoyed listening to it. I got a chance to listen to it yesterday and it was dope and there's definitely already been some uh, some headlines on more of the national tv shows like on espn they've been talking about some of the things that he touched on mentioned what he uh, mentioned some quotes from cj on his pod about lebron and the possibility of moving to la versus philly versus other spots so oh yeah what did he say he said something like it was more likely than people think that lebron yeah would maybe yeah he, he, saying he there's, saying like, there's like there's a, a lot of space out there a lot of right, cap right. space out yeah no i appreciated that <laughs> no it was nice uh but another uh another kind of new new up-and-comer uh, in the Portland scene here. We uh, saw some some new action on the court against Houston the other night. Papa G, Yorgos Papayanis, has officially made an appearance as a blazer. He set screens for Baz. He got a rebound and a putback off a missed shot. He even took out Tariq Black on kind of a, a crazy uh, <laughs> fight for a rebound down on the other end. And, I mean, just looked like a brick wall as, as Black hit the floor. Uh, did you see that game? You saw the Houston game? Were you back in town for that one? Yeah, where was I watching that? Might have been one of the ones I had to stay up super late to watch. But yeah, I uh, no, I was back in town by that point. Yeah, where the the bench went on like a 17-0 run, and that was really oh, fun to God, see. Crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's good, and I think that we're gonna talk about you know not just Papayanis, but other role players on the Blazers bench as you had already previewed with Wade Baldwin and some others. We're gonna talk about that a little bit with Ian. Carmel um it's interesting and it's needed right now for the Blazers right I mean they were without for that game without Damian Lillard they've been without Ed Davis they've been without Mo Harkless and so they're going to need some of those folks to step up and it was good to see uh those players get that run and honestly to go on a big run against the best team at least in the regular season the Houston Rockets they had James Harden and Chris Paul on the floor um so it was really good to see them yep. Uh, put that push on Houston, even though they didn't get the win. But yeah, and of course, having Giannis Antetokounmpo's dad is always a good thing. Maybe it gets Giannis to come <laughs> sign in Portland. So yeah, no, it was great to see. Well, I, I did like that you pointed out, I saw online, you said uh, Papa Giannis on the floor at the same time as Harden in a five-point game is the best thing ever. It is pretty crazy, that the circumstances, that not only is this team who's locked in leading the entire league, uh, has their best players on there, and here we are with a player who's literally never played a single minute in a Blazer jersey before. That was right. really fun. 
and it was also just one more thing. It was fun to kind of go at it in a, I think, in a good spirited way with some Houston fans, where yeah. they, you know, we were, we were like, oh, like you had to have Chris Ball and James Harden on the floor. We had like Jake Lehman and Wade Baldwin <laughs> pop on us, and then they come back with, well, you know, good luck not winning a championship. And so anyway, it yep, was just yep. a lot of fun. And I, you know, if anything, you can just say that was probably one of the best losses of the year. Um, Certainly. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to talk more about we'll, that. We'll Again, there are yeah. no moral victories in the NBA, but yeah, it was good to see. Well, listeners, let us know what you think. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook. Email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Here comes this week's guest, Ian Carmel. So excited to have him in the building. But first, a word from our sponsor, NB Adventures. So after the Blazers' recent three-game losing streak, do you need to escape? You need to get out of town, but don't want to go too far out of town. You need something to kind of get some a relaxing change of pace, get up above the the, the clouds and the and the fog and all the uh, tension down here. Well, I know exactly where you can do it. You can go check out flights at envyadventures.com, E-N-V-I, adventures.com. They have flights all over Portland, over the gorge, over the mountain peaks, around our lovely Pacific Northwest here. You can see waterfalls, cityscapes, mountainscapes all the beauty that we have to offer, starting at only $99 per flight. You can split that among friends too. It's per flight, not per person. So this can get cheap. I'm sure they've got at least two seats, maybe let's say three or four. Let's let's talk to Envy Adventures, see how many people you can get up, in the, up there in their flights at one time. And if you want to take a discount, even... you can grab onto the wing and hold on for dear yes, life. Yes, yes, yeah, why not? Absolutely. Hey, I'm, <laughs> hey, I've always wanted to learn how to how to uh, paraglide or, or at least parachute, you know, so it's a good place to start. Uh, avoid booking fees by using their website to book a flight themselves. Don't go through any of the other travel agencies or entertainment venues around town. EnvyAdventures.com uh, has flights available seven days a week, all summer, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that is EnvyAdventures.com. Reserve your flight today. He is a Portland-born comedian winning Portland's Funniest Person back in 2011 and writing a hilarious weekly column, one of my favorites, Everything is Fuck in the Portland Mercury since 2016. He moved on to bigger and better things, of course. He has now written for Chelsea Lately, The Late Late Show with James Corden, which he won an Emmy for, and I believe you were a founding writer. Is that what I read? One of the first, uh, one of the first writers, yeah. I was me and two other people. As well as writing for the Tonys, you can also see him on Comedy Central's Meltdown, Conan, Portlandia. You've seen him on Trailblazer pregame, Talking Ball, Blazers Outsiders. And if you haven't been lucky enough to catch his stand-up, please, I highly recommend wherever you can catch the show, whether it's here or in L.A., although I never recommend going to L.A. And if you haven't heard All Fantasy Everything yet, go and download it and listen to it immediately after the latest Trailcasters episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Ian Carmel. Thank you for Hello. Doing, How are of you? Of course. I'm great to be here. I think of All Fantasy Everything as an amuse bouche to the Trailcasters podcast. <laughs> Something to sort of just sort of cleanse the palate, awaken the senses, and uh, just sort of a, la uh, a landing strip for you guys to put this Concord down on. The only question I had for Keith is why didn't he do the long intro? But whatever, I guess the truncated one will do. I, I love it. Now, now I'm really feeling myself. He got almost every credit in there. Yeah, I mean, it made me feel oh. terrible about myself, so I guess he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is well, the hey, goal of credits. <laughs> I, I did not, I did not yet add on your latest credit, actually, sir. Uh, Neela Madison, aka Neela Olshay, if you guys remember that name that she had oh, going yeah. for a while. She has pronounced you, Ian, the king of Rip City. First of all, congratulations! It's a huge Thank honor you. to have royalty on the show. Yeah, but, very uh, good to be here. Hello, yeah. <laughs> How will I you be celebrating your new crown? I'm doing my royal wave. Oh, there's the uh, queen wave. Yes. <laughs> I think I got elected king of uh, Rip City just because I'm the person most likely to be seen eating a leg of lamb uh, <laughs> out in public at any given point. I don't know if it had anything to do with my clout or stature. 
but rather maybe like my gout and tendency to drink heavily. <laughs> Those are things I look for in a king of Rip City, more so than the Shans, Absolutely. more so than Wheels, definitely. Yeah. You and yeah. Kyle Kinane, you just got to compete with him for them. Exactly. That, that mother... <laughs> can I cut... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, that motherfucker came out with like an amazing gout routine, and then I got gout, and I'm like, that's been the worst part of it. It's like, well, I can't even joke about it now. You know, he's like got it locked down. I don't want to be the guy with the other gout routine. That's like a terrible place to be. <laughs> the second Gary gout so, routine, never as good as the right. primary one. <laughs> I got to get like Legionnaire's disease or I don't know, the, the clap or so, something nobody else does. I mean, what is clap anyway? God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Which, okay, which okay, one? Okay. Is we'll look it up off air. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are not here to worry about which uh, which STDs or other things that we could. Is that even STD? Never mind. We're not getting into that. Exactly. We're not going there. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I miss Swinging back to Portland. Whimsical names like that. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Portland. Okay, so post All Star break, Portland's been looking really good. We were like fourth in opponent points, third in offensive rebounds, top in second chance points, despite how bad we started at the beginning of the year. Now we have lost three straight. We're down to forty-eight and thirty-two with two games left in the season. Do you think we reach fifty, Ian? Do you, do we get these last two? I don't think we reach fifty. I think we're gonna. Oh. I think we're gonna end up dropping one of them probably. And. I imagine it'll be the one to the. I'm hoping the one we'd lose is to the Nuggets, and then we beat the Jazz and secure that third uh, that third seed, right? That's all we have to do to get the third seed is beat the uh, the Jazz, I think. I think it's if any combination of like a win for us and a loss for the Jazz gets us that third seed lock. So yeah, just yeah, that would do it. Although we could have one of those games where Nurkic gets really mad at Denver and then like takes all of his frustration out on them, but that could go one of two ways. Either it could be like a temper tantrum, which sometimes happens, and then he's like. <laughs> He throws something. He just like throws the basketball at the rim like he's Donkey Kong tossing barrels at Mario. Uh, or we could get maybe like a focused Nurkic game, which would be really nice, where he actually like does something constructive uh, and and beats Denver. And if that happens, that's gravy. But either way, I need us to beat the Jazz. I hate the Jazz so much. I I I don't know if I'm alone in this, but like more than I more than the Lakers, more than. Back when the Sonics were around, I hate the Jazz more than any other team. Wait, That's always been like the team. Really? I hate Wait, why, why do you hate the Jazz? I mean, it's because of Carl Malone? Is it because of yeah. Greg Ostertag? What's the deal? Carl Malone, the Carl Malone John Stockton teams pissed me off more than when I was growing up, uh, pissed me off more than any other team. Because you would watch Jordan and it would be like this amazing, beautiful basketball. And like when he beat us in the finals that year, it's hard to get like too upset about that, right? And then. Uh, <laughs> the Lakers, the Lakers in the early 2000s. I mean, Shaq was kind of fun to watch, but like when the Jazz were beating us, it was just this like pick and roll, <laughs> pick and roll, pick and roll, pick just ugly basketball. And then you find out what a schmuck Carl Malone is, and John Stockton was <laughs> one of the dirtiest players of all time. And uh, yeah, and then you, it turns out you were right. Your childhood instinct to hate on them was correct. Uh, Oster Tag can hang though. Oster Tag seems cool. Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton, yeah. I was just about to like, say, what about Mark Eaton? He gets, a, he gets a free pass from me. But Matt Harpering, stay out of Glendale, California. He, he knows not to come. Well, I mean, so as much as you might hate the Jazz, they have been playing really well. And I'm a, I'm a little worried because so they have, they're playing the, no, they, they're playing Golden State. So they could drop yeah. that game. So let's say that the Blazers do get home court advantage because there has to be some weird combination of bullshit that has to happen for them to drop out of home court advantage. So three or four seems yeah. likely. You're in the playoffs now. You have this morass of teams that they could be playing. They could play the Thunder. They could play the Timberwolves. They could play the Nuggets. 
Uh, they could play the Spurs. Nice of Morass, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've been working on that. I had <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of written no, right there. That yeah. That's a good yeah, word. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So in that morass, of the morass, is there a singular of yeah. morass or is morass plural? Anyway, who do you... Who, morass I? Who, morass I. Who, who, as a Blazers fan, as the king of Rip City, who would you want them, the Blazers to play yeah. of all those teams? <laughs> of all those teams, uh, God, who, of who they could play. I would, love, I would love for us to get the Spurs, I think, in that situation. Okay. Because I, I mean, I know they, I know they beat us. Uh, what just last night was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. This weekend yeah, has really been a blur. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah, just last night. Um, <laughs> and again, without Kawhi, but I don't think they're going to get Kawhi at any point. But uh, I think if the Blazers, I think they would beat them in five or six games, and it would just be sweet to see Lamarcus Aldridge get dealt out of the playoffs in the first round by the team he left because he thought they couldn't get him, you know, past the first round. <laughs> I think that would be like a just a wonderful bit of poetry for the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> um, the Thunder scare me. Uh, the Timberwolves with Jimmy Butler coming back also kind of scare me. Um, unless Andrew Wiggins keeps insisting on taking that many shots, and then I think we could beat them in four. <laughs> but uh, of the of all those teams, I think, yeah, San Antonio is the team I'd like to face the most. And Utah's kind of scary, too, especially they're not a good matchup for us because we want to keep Nurkic in the game. And the only kind of team, the team that can really like expose Utah is somebody who's going to pull Rudy out to the, you know, to the to the three point arc right. and yeah. sort of neutralize his ability to rim protect. And the Blazers aren't really that team. Well, they could play Myers Leonard, and he could shoot threes. That'd be great. That would <laughs> solve it right there. They could. They could. Myers, Myers could. Myers could throw some like jujitsu on him and like dislocate his shoulder, pull like a <laughs> Kel Olynyk or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Myers played. Myers has been playing okay with Ed Davis out though. He's been. He's been. Uh, he, I, I can't. I'll never talk too much shit about Myers because we've we've become, but like buddies just from. He's such a nice guy. Right. You really, you really wish he was like a Carl Anthony Towns type, you know, where he's like really good. Uh, was as good at basketball <laughs> as he was nice to people. But he's See? he's such a he's such a sweet dude, and it's hard to hate on him because like even though he's been consigned to the bench for most of the season, he's the first dude up, like you know, clapping hands and you know, uh, celebrating other people's dunks and stuff like that. It'd be easy for him to be over there uh, sulking, but he's like, look, if I'm going to, if I'm not going to see the court, I'm still going to try to earn my money as best I can by being a good teammate. And I think he really does. People seem to like him. Well, and I got to say too, like, I think last night he played 11, 10 or 11 or 12 minutes. He got nine and four. So not at all bad on the production end. And beyond that though, he's one of the guys, even on the broadcast, you can hear him yelling on defense. Like he'll be on the back line, like directing the rest of his team around, like making the switches and the screens work. Uh, do you think his minutes totally disappear once Ed comes back? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what team, like, we end up playing in the first round. If it was, I mean, if it was somebody like Utah, you might see him actually get, I mean, we're not going to get them in the first round unless something crazy happens, right? Yeah. I guess they could, uh, I we mean, could end up at four and they could end up at five somehow. Yeah, if, yeah, if we slip to four, they could be five. That's probably the only way it happens. You, I, I mean, the way I would describe uh, the Western playoff between three and eight is a uh, morass. I would call it a morass. <laughs> just sort of a, a word that I've been trying to get back into the lexicon personally. So, I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to say exactly who, like who we're going to face, but yeah, I don't know. Probably his minutes probably will go away. Although, Let me ask you about this. Do you think uh, they're going to this... play Zach Collins in the playoffs? Well, I mean, he's been playing. I think Zach, Zach Collins needs it more than Myers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, I was just, yeah, I don't know. I, Sorry. <laughs> no, you, you, me. Uh, green light, red light. Okay. Anyway, no, yeah, no, I, I think Zach Collins like... got more than Myers. Going, stop talking, Brandon. It's my turn. 
<laughs> uh, let me ask you this, Ian, about uh, as far as the Spurs matchup, though, that you're talking about. Don't you feel that that is kind of like the Jazz one that you're talking about that you hit in the past? Like, if we're if we're facing OKC, you have a real dynamic matchup with Russ and Dame. If you're facing Utah, you've got Gobert versus Nurkic. If we face San Antonio, I feel like that's kind of the same. Like, all they do is fundamental basketball. If they beat us with that, it's like just it feels horrible. I, I again, like the Houston game the other night is not horrible, but the la- the loss last night, I ugh, it stings. I don't like it. Right, it feels it feels like losing to socialism, but in the '80s when socialism, <laughs> not now when socialism is good, like pre-Bernie uh, Sanders socialism kind of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Just this like very cold, brutalist uh-huh. like regime kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think getting, I think getting, uh, when, if we have Harkless back by the time we play them in the playoffs, it'll be another you know person we can throw at Lamarcus, uh, who can you know who can cause some trouble on both ends of the floor. But yeah, it would be heartbreaking if we lost to them. Less because of the, like, cold, calculating uh, style of basketball they play and more just because it's LaMarcus Aldridge and his black, black heart. (laughs) (laughs) Making decisions that benefit him and his family. What a jerk. Uh, I know. No. I'm not a fan of that at all. I mean, the other thing about playing a team that has a good system, I mean, that loss the Blazers had against the Celtics felt the same way. They didn't have Kyrie. They had some other people that were out. But Brad Stevens to somehow coach them to a win. Not sure how that happened, but that yeah. was yeah, that was a huge bummer. Well, let's move on. Talk about uh, let's talk about Wade. Ba- we already talked about Wade Baldwin. I feel like he, yeah. we need to talk about Wade Baldwin. Go from an old blazer to a new blazer. Yeah. So here's a new blazer. He looks like a facsimile of Brandon Roy. I think that Dane Carbaugh said something nice. like that. Wade Baldwin looks like if you describe Brandon Roy over the phone, like that's what you'd come up with. I thought that was a pretty good. One. <laughs> that was a pretty good way to put it. Um, not sure how much of that Houston game you saw, but you know the Blazers bench went on that 17 to zero run. When Chris Paul and James Harden were in the game, Wade Baldwin, a lot of energy, super long arms, plays really good defense. Uh, What do you think? Does does he have a place in this playoff rotation if the Blazers play against a a team that has really good perimeter depth? I kind of feel like he could add some value. What are your thoughts on on Mr. Baldwin? He could. Maybe it's going to be a pick your poison between him and Shabazz Napier for that third guard spot, Mm -hmm. right? So I guess it'll be depending on what you need out of them, whether it's shooting. Then you go with Shabazz, and then if you need like tough lockdown defense, then you go with Wade Baldwin. Uh, yeah, he did. He made the Rockets look like they were playing in the third round of a playoff series. Yes, they played. Yeah. They were <laughs> they were so bad. But uh, yeah, I don't. I probably not. I just mean with the way that playoff lineups get shored up, it's probably just going to be Dame, CJ, and sometimes Shabazz Napier. Probably right. Yeah, out of the guard rotation. Well, here's. Uh, I feel like maybe. If, if there's a chance for him, I feel like uh, it might be the first round. If we don't have Ed and Mo both back, I feel like that's kind of what opens up that spot in the rotation. And I do feel like, at least just defensively and size-wise, I feel like we should see more of Baldwin than, let's say, Pat Connaughton at this point. Uh, it, it's, you know, he's, he's got more size on him. He can still hit the three. Uh, I think they said Baldwin's like 6'4", and he's primarily point guard, not as much like shooting guard or, or, or wing player, right? So, I mean, it, it is kind of another ball handler, someone who kind of spread the defense But a he's got like a 6'11 wingspan, which is really insane to think. Because, like, oh so, my so God. here I, I'm really? sitting here. I'm like, maybe I'm 6'2". I've got like T-Rex arms, got like a 6'1 wingspan. <laughs> I, I seriously can't imagine having like seven-foot arms. Like, I just feel like that would be like too much, too many arms. I just, I don't know how we can handle that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of arms. Thank God for basketball, right? Otherwise, <laughs> these people would be like like constantly tripping over their own wrists. Uh, <laughs> be, they'd be getting the top the top shelf from grocery stores. Like, can someone reach that? Yeah, I got. Yeah, that. I was I was amazed that Memphis cut ties with him so quickly. I mean, they must have right. they must have realized that he didn't fit their system or whatever. But 
he was only drafted a couple years ago, and yeah, he has a, like a crazy, like crazy measurables and stuff like that. Right. You kind of thought this like version of Wade Baldwin was going to appear at some point, like he would be a good third or fourth card. I just, I mean, I would like to see more before the playoffs. The problem is both of these games are like must must win games for the Blazers, so there's not a lot of time to like goof around. Even if, I mean, it's kind of the bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. You know, they know what Pat Connaughton is at this point. Um, you know, and they know what Myers Leonard is. They don't really know what Wade is. They don't know what uh, Papianis is exactly at this point. Um, oh, Papianis, so yeah. Go, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Well, that could have just been a case, I mean, of that game of like a team not having seen Wade Baldwin before and not knowing exactly how to like game plan for him. Well, I mean, they, uh, or it could have been against like Spurs too, though, right? Yeah. But it could, and it also could have just been energy off the bench. When you know these teams are like 79, 80 games into the season, everybody's pretty tired. Well, let me let me just say uh, where I think Wade Baldwin could help. So the Blazers feel like I've I haven't really been keeping track, but I've tweeted a bunch about how many double digit leads the Blazers have blown. It's happened again and again and again. They get up by like 10, 15 yeah. points, they blow the whole thing. I feel like Wade Baldwin could be super helpful. Just put him in there to just yes. prevent the other team from doing anything. Like you don't even really have to score. Like if you're up, you need the starters to get some rest. Just get him in there and just lock people down. So like I don't know. I I'd be interested to see him used in those spot kind of you know very specific ways that could be helpful i think that just preventing the other team from scoring doesn't even matter if he can shoot that's where i'd like to see him yeah used. yeah staunch the bleeding rather than like extend the lead kind of bench exactly back. yeah that's my thought yeah so not just against houston though but he uh he picked up like mid-court turnovers on harden and chris paul against the in the houston like multiple game. times but against parker yeah, but against a, a Parker in San Antonio last night as well. So I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm not even thinking this as much of like this the one game kind of fluke. I think the long wingspan, like you're saying, might be part of it. He got drafted by Memphis, like you mentioned, Ian. And I, it is strange to think that he didn't fit there since we're seeing so much of a defensive kind of mindset now. And that that was really always their calling card, right? Yeah, and them needing point guards with Mike Conley right. constantly being in and out of the lineup. Yeah. 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 Maybe it just took him a little bit longer to develop. I. I mean, I want him to be for real. Obviously. Do we, what do we have him for two years? Do we? Did we extend him to next year? I believe so. Uh, yeah. Right? Rest of the. Uh, I think yeah. for uh, through the next NBA season. Uh, so yeah, we've got at least got him for one right. year. Which is kind of a sign that we probably aren't going to try to pay Shabazz whatever he's going to get on the open market, right? Yeah. 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 Shabazz is going to be trade value. He's gone. Well, let, let, um, okay, so, let me ask a quick question, actually, between. So we have some free agents. We have Nurkic coming up, Ed Davis coming up, Shabazz Napier coming up. Uh, if you Ian, and Pat, oh, and Pat too. So those four, um, Ian, if you are Paul Allen, so if you're on your like octopus yacht floating in the middle of the ocean, who of those players <laughs> are you willing to go into the tax for moving forward between Nurkic, Ed Davis, Pat Connaughton and Napier? Who are you looking to, to pay money to? Probably the two centers more than the other ones. Uh, I mean, Nurk, especially if you can get him for like, Pardon me. Less than fifteen million a year would be amazing for Nurk. He it, he's such a he's such a frustrating player because it feels like every time I watch him, and I I don't watch all the games. I try to watch as many as I can. I probably see like fifty games a year. Um, it, but it feels like every time I watch him, he like you know he's not dunking it, and he'll like throw these like shot put shots off the rim. And then at the end of the game, somehow he'll still be like seven for 12, you know, with like 18 <laughs> points, and, you know, and 10 rebounds. And I'm like, how the fuck did he get those? Okay, whatever. Like, it's, 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 he's like a weird, frustrating player to watch. But like at the end of the game, you're glad you have him. Plus what he does for our defense, you know, yeah. is, I mean, I know there's like not great metrics for measuring defense, but unless it's a crazy coincidence and Damon CJ really did get that much better 
after Nurk showed up, you know, I think Nurk is to he has to get credit for a lot of that defensive switch being flipped for us. So I think keep Nurk and then Ed Davis is probably the best backup center, one of the one of the best backup centers in the league. Sure. Yeah, it's he's probably going to get at least ten million a year. It'd be tough to keep them both. I guess keep Nurk out of the two, but it'd be great to keep the both of them. And then Shabazz and Pat, as much as I like them, I mean, if they can go get more money on the open market, go ahead, you know. Well, one more quick question about this, and then we can move on to something else. Uh, do you think Nurkic is going to get better? I mean, he's 24, 23, 24. Do you think that he's... 23, 24, like yeah. I mean, do you think he's going to get better? Is this pretty much what he is? Is he even that old? I think I think he's younger than 23, even. Uh, he's, he's at least 23. Yet. I'll check. While you're answering, let me right. check. Uh, I think he might get a, I think he might get a little bit better. Might get a little more polished. I mean, at least the centers who've developed in America have famously developed like a little bit later in life. And uh, yeah, I think the things he struggles with are things that he can improve on because a lot of it is like shooting touch around the rim. Um, you know, his physical stuff is all there. He's already a pretty good def he's pretty good defender around the rim. Um, and the more he plays, I mean, one thing that we have the benefit of uh, with the Blazers is continuity and if he can continue to be a part of the system and learn the intricacies of it and keep this team together uh then yeah i think he can improve both within the system and probably incrementally you know outside of the system he's he's like 23 24 yeah, right he's 23 turning 24 in august so he's still you know oh, pretty young yeah yeah okay i tried to prove you wrong and i was wrong uh <laughs> I, I agree you know the a big part of the team i think right now has been continuity chemistry and just kind of the relationships the players have i want to loop this back to uh, wade baldwin real fast um as far as keeping him here if we're especially if we're going to get rid of baz get rid of pat kind of thin out the guard rotation he could be a really good defensive cheap option for us to hold on to uh Tara Bowen Biggs mentioned this on Twitter and it got me thinking. Wade's dad was a DE agent, DEA agent, and his mom was a, is a supervisor for FBI training. So Tara is now calling him a special agent, uh, probably special agent Baldwin as far as a nickname goes. I, I started trying to think of other <laughs> nicknames that we come up with for because I feel like a nickname will help keep him in town, get that chemistry going, right? What about yeah. D-Wade D 2.0 or Wade did the ball did the win? Get, really emphasize that D in there? <laughs> or uh, <laughs> I don't know. What, well, do, what I, you got, Ian? I feel like you can people bring think, some people think he looks like uh, Brandon Roy, so we could call him 007. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Although, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I don't know. How is that going to work? His dad being a DEA agent, being in Oregon where cannabis is extremely legal. Um, it's it's going to be a complicated situation for yeah, him. Is he taking orders from Jeff Sessions or is he not? I really need the answers to these questions before we can move forward. Oh, God. Him. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Oh, this, is, this is for a whole other podcast we're getting into yeah, now. I Jeff just Sessions, Brandon going off in his political world here. Yeah, I'll just stop. <laughs> I just, I, I'd like to have him stick around to see if there's a Wade Baldwin the fifth on the way. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because if he sticks around Portland, we make him, maybe he's like the kind of guy who sticks around the city and like lives here like a Brian Grant or like Jerome yeah. Kersey. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Bless his soul. Uh, the kind of people who st stick to Portland. Then we could see a Wade Baldwin the fifth. And away Baldwin with the sixth, maybe even playing, <laughs> playing, playing Lake Ridge High School in 2028. Wade Baldwin the sixth. Those that year might not be quite right. with Damian Lillard's yeah, kids, so then you'd have the Dame Junior on the way up too. Don't forget about that. So that would be happening. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I like it. Dame, Dame Junior yeah. and WB five, WB six. I feel like Dame Dame is gonna send Dame Junior to live in Oakland while he's up in Portland, so they can. <laughs> <so we> can <laughs> the next in the line of the uh, great Oakland point guards. I feel like 
As an adult, Dame loves Portland, but he's like, I don't think he would want to raise his kid here full time. I think that kid's going to get sent to the opposite of a boarding school in Oakland. <laughs> Toughen him up down in the in the home street. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, you know, I don't know. That that could that could make a TV show, I'd say, but I think there's a more important show coming up that I want to talk about. How about that awesome segue? Oh, <laughs> yeah. slick this as Netflix hell. special. <laughs> <laughs> this Netflix special, I have been waiting on with bated breath, sir. I know you taped it, I think, back in January or February, is that right? February, yeah. Yeah, so like a 15-minute special that you and a number of other comedians are all doing for Netflix. Yeah, I think uh, it's I think there's 15 of us each doing 15. Nice. Okay. So, okay. So in, in most of our viewers, TV minds are like, you know, as a viewer, I feel like 15 minutes sounds short, but then you think of comedy stand-up segments. That's, that's, it's a fairly good time for you, right? Is that it's a, a good, it's a, it's a good chunk. I mean, like the, the half hours that like uh, comedy central was doing, were all like 20 minutes, you yeah, know, right. with commercials and intro and stuff thrown in. Um, so this will just be 15 pure minutes of stand-up. It's a good length of a set. Um, especially for people who haven't really seen you before. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you like, if I've done this and I'm a comedian, where I'll like cycle through like the standup on Netflix and be like, ooh, they're doing a whole hour on there? You know, and like <laughs> I've seen them do 10 minutes before. I'm not sure if I need the whole hour. So 15, I think it's a good way to see if you like what a comedian does. And then if you do, go out and check out the other stuff they do. So like if they like mine, they can go watch my late night sets and then maybe come see me live kind of thing. And uh, I think Netflix did a really good job of picking, like, interesting comedians with really different voices and different points of view for this 15. So it'll be – it's like when you get, like, a, like a, one of those box of chocolates from C's and you're like, oh, do I like buttered rum? And then you eat it and you're like, I do like buttered rum. So I'm hoping to be the buttered rum of the Netflix 15-minute special. So which one is, like, the – yeah, which one's, like, the banana cream that you don't want to eat? Okay, don't answer that. I, I did – Oh, yeah, it's uh, Jack Knight. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I did want to – I picked the funniest guy I could think of, so everyone would think it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to ask really quick, and I know that maybe you can't talk about it because it hasn't been released yet, but when you do a special yeah. like this, I mean, is this – is this new material that you worked specifically for the special? Are you drawing from what you did before? Like, what's your what's the process in getting ready for something like that? It's so you. There's a couple bits on there that I done on late night before. Um, I think on Conan, one of them when when I was on there with Funches. But uh, it's like I mean, there's jokes on my 15 minute that are like three years old, and then there's jokes that are like a week old on there. So it's like kind of a blend of the two. Um, yeah, it, well, actually, there's one joke on there that's like six years old that I used to do when I still worked at Netflix because I used to work at the Netflix call center. That was in <laughs> oh, Hills. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I can't believe it's real. <laughs> it's real. And then I got to like turn around and do like a Netflix special. Well, not not turn around, turn around <laughs> and then spend six years doing. <laughs> you went home one day. But, uh, immediately got the Netflix special. Yeah, got it. Yeah, they're like, we really like you on the phones, but let's get you on the mic. But um, yeah, so it's just a it's a blend of material. You just kind of want to put together. There's a there's like a singular theme throughout it, so I just picked um, jokes that sort of fit that theme from my act. Some of them are new, some of them are old. And and one more thing, like is it is it because you're threading in jokes from different like different eras, but it has to be there has to be some continuity, right? Like there has to be some sort of like the energy is the same or the theme is the same or something that makes it um, just yeah. like is that is that harder to do? when you are taking different jokes or is it is it j just as easy if you had a bunch of new jokes that you were trying to wrap into one package like i guess i i, I to be fair i am not a professional comedian i don't know how the process works um <laughs> which is why i'm asking yes you are no. yeah, 
it's well, I mean, it, it depends. It depends on if your point of view has radically shifted on an, on a subject, you know. So because like, now you're a Trump supporter, so that makes it probably. I'm a big time, yeah. I'm a big time MAGA guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I decided I decided oh. to throw in with the Jew haters rather than let them come for me. Uh, oh God. <laughs> they uh, it's it just it, it does it depends on what your point. Is. So like I mean, if six years ago my point of view was like. Love isn't real, and you know, dating is a sham. And then, like now, I'm like, uh, you like, it's like everyone has their soulmate out there. You just have to go find them. And then it would be hard to mesh those together. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, my point of view on a lot of these subjects hasn't shifted drastically. But if it is, there's ways to still sort of, I mean, like chronologically set it up in a in a set just so it all makes sense. And so, like, I used to feel like this, and then you just sort of change the tense of your jokes. But now I feel like this, you know. Right. Um, so it, it wasn't too rough. I mean, that's it's just the thing that starts to come more and more natural to you as you as you do more and more stand up uh, is like threading these bits together because um, I mean that's that's part of the job, you know. It's mostly fun, and then some of it is like tough finding those segues and stuff. Let me ask you about uh, one other thing, Ian, before we let you go here. Uh, I, I I when I was looking up some background stuff on this, I. I Read that you were roommates with Ron Funches? Yeah, yeah, Ron. Well, yeah, actually, no, yeah, both officially and unofficially. And with Shane Torres, who's a very funny stand Really? Yeah. <laughs> so when we were all first starting out in Portland doing comedy, Ron lived in Salem, um, not in Portland, because he, he had a wife and a kid there. <clears throat> and he would, when he would come to Portland, sometimes he would, there were a couple comedians whose couches he would crash on, but ours was one of them. Uh, and then, so that happened for a couple of years, and then he moved to L.A. to start doing stand-up. And uh, after he'd been here for a year, I decided to move down. And when I did, me and him and two other people got a house together. It's the house I'm still in right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which we, <laughs> it was real scummy back when we all lived in it together because none of us had any money. But now it's, like, kind of nice. Now I live with Sean Jordan and Zach Toscani, who are a couple of Portland comedians who moved down. But, uh... I was gonna say if, if you had that uh, if you had that sheet poster on the wall back there the whole time that has survived all these years with uh, Ron Fungus and Shane Torres that would have been uh, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shane, I lived with in Portland. Shane, I lived with for my last two years in Portland before I moved down. But uh, gotcha. now everybody's doing great. Ron now like has his own house and his kid lives with him and he's like uh, doing amazing stuff. Yeah, it's been a really it's been so cool from like the people. So like you know when it was like Shane, Ron, and I sleeping under the same roof, you know, some nights. <laughs> uh, just to see what's happened, you know, for, for the two of them and how things have been going for me. It's a pretty beautiful experience to watch your friends, what's the term, blow up like that, you know? Uh, I, I feel like that must yeah. be just comedic heaven with you guys all under one roof, and it's, it's crazy to think of how you all have blown up so much. I, I love Ron Funk. It was, it was just us bitching about other Portland comedians, probably. <laughs> no one's... <laughs> Wait, one more quick question like no one's ever had. what what, yeah. what what is the portland comedy scene i mean is there like a strong portland comedy scene given the size of the city is it pretty good is it not so good has it gotten better or worse like what how would you describe I it i mean it, it i mean it comes and goes you know as people as people leave but i think it's pretty good again right now um it, it was probably at its peak, I would say, when Ron and Shane and I all lived there. That's a pretty unique thing to have happen, is, like, have three comedians in the city who, within a year, are all going to be on, like, late-night TV, you know, or within a year and a half. Uh, 
But that's not to say it's not good right now. I think one of the things we, we really worked hard on was like trying to build a scene that would be like uh, open and inviting and welcoming to all the people who wanted to try to do it. And, uh, and, and one that would replenish. Because when I was first starting comedy, uh, Seattle comedy was like really, really good. Yeah. It was amazing. And then a lot of their people moved. Like Rory Scoville was living up there and he moved. And like, uh, got like I mean, uh, Hari Kondabalu had been doing a lot of stuff up there and he moved. And uh, a bunch of people left the city. And then it was just kind of like shitty and mean for a few <laughs> years. There were good comedians there, but like the people who were left over were the people who had like been there forever and like their career hadn't really popped. So they were very bitter and hated new comedians. And <laughs> we saw that and we were like, that's not what we want to have happen. Cause when we go back to Portland, we want there to be cool shows we can pop in on. And um, I, mean, do I think we tried to, sorry, go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. I, do people get like, get protective sometimes? Like if that happens, like they've been yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. And they don't want other people coming up kind of thing. Cause they want to protect it for themselves in their own career. Well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And they feel insecure. And like, I, I understand pe people feeling like that. It's easy to not be insecure when you're like, you know, hey, I have to, you know, I have to leave the city because like I have this writing job. Right. And I'm going to go to <laughs> it's easy to not be protective then. Um, and I, so I understand why people do get like that. But uh, I think Portland, for the most part, has done a good job of riding those waves and not getting too big for its britches when like comedians get like good or good for portland i should say and it doesn't slump too bad when people leave and like there's a bunch of new blood there's really funny people there now there's uh like mahanad el shiki is really funny um the guy oh god i'm so bad with names um god damn oh my god i'm blowing. so many so shane, many angry tweets after this from people shane saying why didn't you mention me i know <laughs> <laughs> shane brendan who does that the, the uh the trailblazers outsiders thing oh, yeah, on yeah. um yep on NBC, I always want Comcast. He's really funny. Uh, Marcus, God, what is Marcus's last name? Oh my God, I'm looking it up right now. Hold on, give me one second. One guy, Ian, Ian something. Oh, thank you, Zach. <laughs> my roommate just yelled out from the other room, Marcus Coleman. Zach, who else is good in Portland right now? <laughs> oh yeah, Milan Patel. Oh yeah, Brandon Lyons is very funny. Okay. Uh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Zach Toscani is cleaning a pair of Jordans with a toothbrush right now. <laughs> That's uh, I, I yeah I do that, but with my dames, so I can totally understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I feel like we're gonna have to have a new uh, new segment on here eventually about the connection between comedy uh, or comedians and basketball. He's cleaning Jordans over there. You're sitting under this beautiful print of sheet in the background, uh, and obviously you've got the long running blazer love. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, well, th thank you so much. I think we got to let you go at this point, but I feel like we could probably talk to you for another hour on here if we had the time. But Ian, uh, everybody, check out All Fantasy Everything. Check out, uh, you're still running for the Late Late Show, right? That is continuing. Yeah, yeah, on? still over there. Still got to go back there to work go. tomorrow. We were just off for a week. So I got to come to Portland and watch a couple games. But yeah, we're back tomorrow. And if people wanted we'll to. We'll check out all of you. Oh, work. sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, if people wanted to connect with you and your work, like what's the best way for folks to like get in contact with you? Uh, like, I mean, Twitter is a really good way to get a hold of me. I don't, I mean, the thing, the trick with me is to be, uh, as you learn, Brandon, is to just be persistent because I have kind of, I'm kind of scatterbrained. I should probably hire an assistant at this point. And like, I'm really bad at like keeping up with emails and, and, uh, stuff like that. But if you get at me enough, it's never annoying. I'm just, cause it'll just be me being like, oh shit, that's right. You know? <laughs> If I don't want to do something, I'll say no. But if I say yes, you might need to remind me like 10 times. <laughs> so yeah, just hit me up on Twitter. That's usually the best way. 
So hit Ian up on Twitter or uh, hit the trail catchers up on Twitter. You can start sending us your applications to be Ian's assistant. <laughs> we'll uh, filter through those and send them on to him anytime. Uh, and uh, Ian, do we have a title for the Netflix special, actually? Oh, no. We have no idea no idea yet. Oh, I still haven't had to do any of that. We'll keep an eye open for the Netflix special. We'll definitely uh, give that a shout out when it comes up. Thank you again for, uh, for coming on the show, man. Really great having you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back with more Trailcasters, but first, let us tell you about one of our sponsors, Clearly Speaking. If you're a professional comedian like our guest Ian Carmel, you probably don't need a ton of help with the way you speak and your diction and the flow of your voice and the rate of speaking and all that. But if you're like me, you definitely could use a little bit of work on that just to be as confident as you can and to be as comfortable as possible in your own voice. And that's where Clearly Speaking can help. If you go to clearlyspeakingoregon.com, you can learn about Brenda, who is a certified speech language pathologist, and she helps folks with accent reduction if you have a speech impediment like I used to when I was younger couldn't pronounce my R's and my S's which means I could not pronounce my own name which was kind of a bummer but I worked with someone just like Brenda who was awesome and helped me through that but it's not just for that too if you're a student a student athlete if you work in customer service if you are into news or if you're a comedian or an actor anything like that clearly speaking can help you find your best and most comfortable voice so you should definitely check them out again brenda is a blazers fan she loves the show which means she's okay by us and to check them out you can just go to clearly that's clearly i guess i'll also hit record probably should Welcome back. Today on Overtime, we will be going over some more of the injuries. Brandon, so we saw Dame uh, had the sprained ankle. He joined Ed and Moe on the sidelines, but only for one game. He missed that game against Houston, which we'll come back to in a second. But mostly, uh, last week, Ty and I had a chance to really talk about the injuries, how we feel about Moe's versus Ed's, who we're more worried about, how we feel this could affect the playoffs. But I want to hear your side of this. Let's let's go with Dame first of all before we loop back to those guys. What do you think would happen if we didn't have Dame for let's say the first round against any of these opponents? Do we have any chance? No. Uh, simple chance. answer: no chance at all. Damian Lillard is clearly. It's not just that he's the team's best player. It's that the team really revolves around him. You, I mean, we've talked about how, and maybe it was you and Ty that actually talked about it. I heard on some really good podcast, I think it was one of you and Ty, <laughs> talked about how Damian, like 35, 40% of his assists are going to Nurkic. The whole Blazers right. offense revolves around Damian Lillard. This Blazers team is not a team without Damian Lillard. You don't see that when CJ is in there without Dame, that the team kind of keep stuff going or it looks like a reasonable facsimile that's not really been the case so if Damian Lillard is out this team has absolutely positively no chance against any of these teams in the Western Conference at least not in my opinion okay so that could be part of why they brought him back after only one game they let him rest for the Houston game and there was kind of question I think you brought it up on Twitter actually should they should the Blazers sit Dame for the rest of the games as well since we don't really need him and we can hopefully get a few wins out of it well, let me just say really quick, I mean, I was, I'm always usually pretty conservative. I would prefer that players miss the games and take the time they need to get fully healthy. Having said that, he looked really good against the Spurs. Yeah. He didn't look like, as you saw at the end of the game where he actually got injured, he was having trouble moving around. There was no question about it. You didn't see any of that against the Spurs. He had a dunk. Uh, that was yep. not like a not an easy dunk. Like it was sort of kind of in traffic. Um, he, did he, even did have he have two? Dunks? two? I saw he at least had one, and he had a second one that was like kind of almost a dunk. So he looked oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think that maybe even him sitting out 
that game against Houston, that might have been the precaution in and of itself. Uh, then you mentioned Mo Harkless and Ed Davis, um, and you kind of said earlier, like, who are you more concerned about? Obviously, got to be more concerned about Mo Harkless, that knee surgery, removing loose bodies from the knee. I know, again, you and Ty were talking about what does that mean exactly, and you were kind of bragging about how your parents are both in the medical field and <laughs> the difference between, like, no, hold a, on. <laughs> the difference between a foreign body, which would be like if you had something from the outside get into your system, and a loose body, which is something that originated from yourself, that's not great. You're thinking maybe a bit of meniscus, a yeah, bit of exactly. cartilage, a bit of bone. So you're more worried about that. And Ed Davis, you know, had a bad ankle sprain, but he was confident when he talked with Jason Quick a little while ago. He's been right. back sooner. You and Ty also talked about that. We're really rehashing last week's episode at this point, but <laughs> let me just be quiet and let you drive. So yeah, anyway, that those are my thoughts quickly on those folks. No, that, that's good. Mostly I, I did just kind of want to get your side of it since you were off uh, gallivanting around Iceland when uh, we were sitting here doing all the work for you. I'm sorry. Are uh, you like you know, from medieval England? Where are you coming hey, from? Hey, you know that? what? You you threw morass into the vocabulary, so I'm going to bring did. gallivanting to the table. So. Okay. okay <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, I I I agree with you though. I think Mo's injury is more serious. I think that is important to keep in mind, and just the fact that Mo is probably going to be out as far as the on paper timeline. Mo should miss maybe a week or two more than Ed. Uh, like Ed said, in with confidence to Jason Quick, as you mentioned. Everyone has had a rolled ankle at this point. Any athlete who's played to this point in his career has had a rolled ankle. He's fine. He'll be back. He was saying he could be back either against San Antonio or Denver. Obviously didn't come back last night, so hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be there Monday with him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would actually say, and maybe by the time this podcast releases, we'll already know, but it's 2.30 on Sunday. I would be looking at Twitter basically right around now to see some news from the team about Ed Davis. And I, if I were a betting person, I would say that he will be back for the game against Denver tomorrow is my hope. Just to emphasize, too, what you were saying about Lillard, uh, Portland with Lillard on the court this year has a net rating of plus 16.3, so outscoring their opponents uh, wow. by 16.3. Uh, off the court, Portland is minus 4.8 this season. Even worse when you actually look at the last three games that Lillard has missed. Uh, the offensive rating was 15 points worse on average th uh, without him. The defensive rating was nearly six points worse. And the net rating over the three games that we did not have Lillard, negative 26.6. Like we were getting blown out without him on the floor. So you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, that definitely does not surprise me in the least. All right, so let's move right along to the games from last week. Don't want to spend too much time on this. We actually covered game number one against Memphis when uh, last week with Ty since we recorded a little late for that. Tuesday against Dallas, pretty forgettable. I mean, I don't know what you can really say about this other than just Blazers looked past their opponent. They they thought it would be easier. Uh, they thought this was a tanking team. That must mean the players don't care, and obviously we all know the players have nothing to do with tanking. Uh Saturday last night, we've talked a lot about the San Antonio game. I want to talk a little bit more about that game on Thursday against Houston. And even despite what we said, like this team is really not very competitive without Lillard. We saw not even just the bench players, but the bench warmers make that 17-0 run in the end. Jake Lehman was scoring. Pat Connaughton, 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 Patty Patty three ball uh, was hitting shots. Uh, and Wade Baldwin, I think, was the real highlight of all of that. Uh, Houston was held to 30 points in the second half. They went 0 for 14 from deep after going 13 of 23 in the first half. Uh, so as much as Wade Baldwin looked good, that's not just one player doing that, right? So it's how many of these guys, how many of those end of the bench warmers that we have here do you think we see on the Blazer roster, let's say not next year, but the year after? I don't know. I think that you probably would say Wade Baldwin at this point has the best shot at being there longer term. I mean, we've seen precious little from him but obviously what we saw against Houston was extremely encouraging now remember that fourth quarter against Houston 
the Rockets could not buy a bucket. The Blazers were right. down and could not eat into that lead early in the fourth. If the Blazers had been a little bit more productive early in that fourth quarter, the Blazers may have pulled off the win. But by the time they put all of those bench players in, the Blazers, they were down by 17 points. And so Stotts said after the game, during his post-game interview, he was asked, like, well, did you want them to provide a spark or what was the rationale? He's like, no, I was trying to rest my starters. I had no clue that they're going to go on this run. Seriously, and like on the one hand, right. you might say, well, that's not very supportive of your players. But on the other hand, he's absolutely correct. He was just trying to rest his starters. And they were doubling. They were picking up full court pressure. The Rockets got flustered. They didn't know how to break it. And it just, I mean, it was one of those things where, yes, the Blazers played really well without Damian Lillard. But on the other hand, that's not uh, duplicable. That was something that happened. It was awesome. And you're not going to see that happen nine times out of ten. That would not be the result most times. I also just want to say before I move on, another thing that could have really helped that game as far as the Blazers pull through in the end is better officiating. My God, the number of times Harden gave uh, Baldwin a forearm shove and it wasn't called until he did it like literally feet in front of the ref. There were so many horrible. Uh, anyway, not the point. Refing is a I, he, neither here nor there separate podcast. I'm so tired <laughs> of James Harden. I just saw this clip on Twitter when, you know, because the thunder actually beat the rockets in houston right and james harden was driving on paul george who's one of the league's best defenders and james harden does that thing that he does he's dribbling with his left hand and with his off arm he hooks paul george up and then he comes through and he flops and flails around and he gets the call uh, and it's like that yeah. was james harden initiating contact and you're giving right. the call to him you're rewarding him for his foul seeking so behavior for his bullshit flopping i'm not a fan of it yes he's a really good player but i just i i wish that the nba would crack down on that more it is absolutely infuriating i'm going to stop now my blood pressure is going up way too high yeah. thinking about james harden 100% yeah, agree with you pisses me off. 100% agree let's move on before we no fall let's into keep talking about it this. right now let's keep talking about it <laughs> Next week's games. Next week, we have two games left on the regular season, and then we will be changing this up. We have a whole new uh, outlook going forward on the playoffs. We don't even know what it is fully yet. It's really going to come down to what happens in these last two games. We face Denver on the road tomorrow, Monday evening at 6 p.m. Then Wednesday, here in Portland, Utah comes to town, 7.30 p.m. I will be there for that final home game. I'm very excited about it. What do you think, Brennan? Can we go 2-0? Do we reach 50? I don't think so, but here's the tough part. Both of those games are going to be extremely difficult. Both of those teams are playing for something. Denver is playing for their playoff lives. The Jazz are playing for playoff positioning. The Jazz have been absolutely on fire. The Nuggets have not been as much. I think that the Blazers, they really, and if I'm Portland, I'm looking at the injury management piece of it and trying to balance all the different things. I hope that Ed Davis is ready to go against Denver because they're going to, I think, really need that game. So I'm looking for the Blazers to beat Denver. I'm not as sure about the Jazz. I think it could go either way. It's going to be an awesome game. I'm going to be there too, actually. I got standing room seats. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I will be standing up while you bourgeoisie first class people have a seat with a seat back no i'll be in the standing oh, yeah. section up in the 300 there yeah well you know and so it's gonna be dope um but yeah i don't think that they go 2-0 what do you think do you think they can go 2-0 i certainly think they can yeah i mean you, do you think that they yourself. will do you think uh, they're going to go 2-0 i certainly think that they can you have to answer uh, the question sir <laughs> i'm hey man you know me i'm i'm conducting this optimism train all the way to the station we're almost there well, yeah then you I think got, they then, go then say it say it and own it say it and own it 
I, I, I think they'll do it. I think okay. Nurkic, uh, he <laughs> always has – he is always going to bring the, the beast for the Denver games. I think we, if we can pull it off in Denver, how about that? If we win the first game, then we can certainly win both. How about that one? <laughs> That's fair. I think they can. I don't think they will. I, I think you're right. I love how petty Nurk still is about Denver. It's hilarious. I just wish he'd play like that against everybody. Although, Nurkic has been doing so well lately. He's scored in double-digit yeah. games for the longest stretch of his career. Uh, it's now, I think, the stretch is at 12 games. You can't overlook that. Really? So he's, yeah, okay. he's been much better better so um anyway yeah i'm stoked about Look it at you pulling out the stats uh, this is like well, i tweeted if here. you follow me at goldner pdx you'll see that i <laughs> tweeted that little factoid a couple days ago um yeah so we'll see speaking of tweets we have listener questions and we have i believe 11 questioners this week thank you all for writing in as always and you can always write us in any point of the week you don't have to wait till the prompt right here at the weekend we will get you in and you'll be qualified to win this uh, brandon's basketball cards anything you want to mostly about blazers obviously but we'll take any questions we've we've answered about tootsie pop so far and uh, i don't know many other things but uh shout out to mitchell sports cards in beaverton as well brandon go ahead yeah no i just actually shout out to at mr cobby cobb i believe is the twitter name Uh, because we got into a conversation a little while ago because i was asking if somebody wanted one of my basketball cards it wasn't a blazer he said yes apparently I th- I'm pretty sure that this gentleman used to work for the team as an athletic trainer. I think I'm, I'm going by his Twitter profile. Anyway, he sent me some signed photos of Blazer players. What? So this week, you are playing for not only an 89.90 Terry Porter card, you're also playing nice. for a Luke Babbitt signed photo, the Chalupa Cabra. It is an awesome photo. <laughs> it's my favorite of the entire bunch. And you, if you win, you are getting, again, the Luke Babbitt signed photo and the Terry Porter card. As always, we're going to take those questions and go to random.org, a random number generator, so there's no nepotism, no bullshit here on the Trailcasters. Now, let's get on to the first question. Question number one from Rip City at Rip City 503. Who do you trust more on defense, Batum or Aminu? Feels like Aminu has been able to hang with bigger fours, which is something Batum was never able to do. Keith, your thoughts? I like this question because I have always been a bit of a, a Batum stan, even to this day. I feel like he still would be a great fit on the Blazers, and I, I like what he's been doing in Charlotte. He still has never – he kind of has the same uh, uh, issue as Mo Harkless as far as n- the consistency and the ups and downs where some games he just doesn't show up, and that problem has stuck with him uh, as he's moved over to, the, over to Charlotte. Defensively, honestly, I, I think I like Aminu more. I, it's, I, I was thinking about this when I saw this question earlier, and – Batum always was a defensive player. You saw chase down blocks. You saw a lot of highlights. But Aminu, man, recently, especially even last night, he had a he had a block. I think it was on Gasol, maybe or no, it was on Aldridge. It was on Aldridge right by the hoop. Aldridge got the position he wanted. He got one of these little kind of spinning layups from the side, and Aminu just rose up and swatted it into the audience. And he had just like an immediate stink eye on his face, like and just the sneer. He had fire about it, and I, it may not be highlight blocks in defense, but yeah, Aminu's got it. I, I think I'll give him the edge. Yeah, I would say the same. Aminu and Batum are both pretty slight, but Aminu is just a little more wiry. I think the part of the question that I definitely agree with is that uh, Aminu can he can he can uh, defend he can against, move a little bigger up. Yeah, with bigger yeah. players a little bit more easily than Batum could. So for that reason, I would say Aminu. So, um, but I mean, Batum and when Batum was really locked in. Uh, he was a pretty special player. It is disappointing to see his career hasn't gone the way that I thought, and I'm sure the way that he thought it was going to go, and honestly, the way that the Charlotte Hornets and Michael Jordan thought it was going to go. But at any rate, yeah, I'd take Aminu as well. 
If Batum had stuck in Portland, of course, he would have been much better. We all know that to be absolute fact. Number two, question <laughs> from uh, Michael Bruin at the official MAB. Is Wade Baldwin's defense good enough to take some of Pat's minutes? Uh, and just want to say as well, at Mitch Hannigod also asked, should Wade take all of Pat's minutes? So, uh, Brandon, uh, on that spectrum, does Wade get some of Pat's minutes, all of Pat's minutes, or none of Pat's minutes in the playoffs? Well, I don't know. I, it's it's hard. I think that, you know, our, our guest Ian Carmel actually put it really well, where it's like you have a player in Connaughton who knows the system really well. Wade Baldwin does not. So, you know, Baldwin's only played a handful of games. Now, with that said, uh, Baldwin has actually been shooting in his very, very limited time been shooting better than you'd expect. That would be the big thing about, you know, we talked about Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton. Um, you'd be concerned about Baldwin shooting, but he's actually been shooting a little better than you'd expect, and his defense is is real. I mean, you have a player with almost yeah. no NBA experience that good at defense. That means right. something to me. So while I don't think he's really going to take anyone's minutes, I think that he probably could in a pinch. And also, as Ian Carmel said, I, I'd be interested to see the lineups you could change around between Shabazz Napier and, and Wade Baldwin, depending on if you need shooting or that defense. And again, as as I said earlier, I'd like to see if the Blazers have a lead to contain that lead, maybe putting Baldwin in to just make sure that you stop the bleeding and make sure nothing weird happens. I'd be into that. But as far as to actually take someone's minutes in the playoffs, I don't see that happening. It's tough. And honestly, I think you kind of touched on something too here. I don't even know if Baldwin's minutes would only be coming from Pat or if it'd be a combination between Pat and Baz or even more of Baz. It, it I, A lot of it will depend on the opponent. If we see, let's say, the, the Timberwolves in the first round or like really young athletic lineup, I could see Baldwin at point guard uh, and Pat as more of an athletic two or even, you know, kind of playing down a three depending on a small ball lineup, just being a, a better fit defensively uh, to be able to match length and athleticism on the other side. I think mostly we're talking about him taking Pat's minutes because Pat has been less productive than Baz. Uh, and overall, I mean, I think this is the same thing that ties back to us saying that that's probably why Baz won't be uh, a blazer in the future. He just has more value. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think like you said, though, it's to, to bring him into the playoffs at this point in the season, it just seems like there's not a lot of time to really kind of get him acclimated to the whole run. That makes sense to me. Next question from ET real brother at Mitch underscore Hanagod. Wait a minute, this is connected <laughs> to something else, and I'm not sure I see, like, an ellipsis. Oh, no, so so basically, uh, so uh, Mitch Hanagod had asked the, the previous question, should Wade take all of Pat's minutes, and then asked the second one, and is Ed's importance shown even that much more with these last couple games? So let's stick to that part of the question. Let me just rephrase yeah. it. Do you think that the importance to Ed Davis to this team has been highlighted even more these last couple games when he's not been available? Yeah, I think uh, I think it has kind of shown what we've. Well, I don't know. It's it's confusing because I I think it's apparent uh, that we don't have that same big man presence down there. But I've been looking at the rebounding numbers, and we've continued to out rebound teams, which I still think of as kind of Ed's primary skill, primary value for us. He's not a prolific scorer, and he's he's a good defender, but he's not like an amazing defender on the level of Nurkic or even let's say Aminu. But his real the real thing that Ed brings to the table is rebounding, and we seem to have done all right without him. So. I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. It, again, it's hard to say from a small sample size, but uh, he certainly is valuable to the Blazers. I just don't know if he's nearly as irreplaceable as maybe we might have thought before he'd uh, had this ankle injury. I think that part of it, as you just said, it's just that the Blazers don't have anyone really to replace him. He plays a role that's needed so much 
And without him being there, you see, you know, Zach Collins and Myers Leonard uh, and Papa Giannis, bless his heart, struggling to try to fill that <laughs> need. So it's really probably less about Ed Davis uh, and his individual talents and more just about how his talents fill that need for the Blazers. So, I mean, I know that's sort of splitting a hair, but I guess it's between someone who is very unique and dynamic and someone who is just very good at something. That's the category that Ed falls into. The Blazers definitely need that um, and have, have been missing it in his absence. All right, question number four coming in from Old Toby at uh, Jetly June. What's the best bar in Portland area to watch some playoff games? Brandon, you're uh, our Portland uh, representative here. Where, where do you go to watch some games? I mean, I can tell you where I go. I can't tell you where the best place to go is. So where <laughs> I live, it's easy for me to go to Pizza Schmitza which is near nice. Portland State University's campus. They have multiple screens. I know most of the people that work there, they're super cool, and they always are playing Blazers games. So um, that's what I would say. But to be honest, I don't really have like a best place in Portland because I almost always watch my games here at home in the comfort of my own living room in my sweatpants. <laughs> so I'm not really usually going out and about, but I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I, I go to a lot of uh, a lot of games, and I watch a lot of games from uh, the comfort of my living room with my dogs and my wife. I have watched games from Spirit of 77 downtown. Uh, that's near the Rose Garden, so it's kind of a nice one to go to. I've actually had a couple other recommendations, too, and I'm failing as far as remembering the individual names, but I think this is a good one to get you guys to remind everyone to write in to the Trailcasters. Let us know on Twitter, at Trailcasters, or Trailcasters at gmail.com. Let us know the best Portland-area bars that you go to. And I've even heard some recommendations about ones in Vancouver and a little outside the Portland area. So we've got listeners from all over the place. Let us know where you guys are going for games, and uh, let's see if we can get a, a playoff matchup uh, all together. Love it. Next question from Mika Taylor at Hooper Girl 22 asks a series of questions. So let me try to keep them organized. Uh, what do you think needs to change for the Blazers to get a win and get home court advantage? Uh, who do you think is the biggest player that needs to step up? Who do you think the Blazers will match up with in the playoffs? Who on the bench is the most underrated? And finally, who is your past and present favorite Blazers player? So what needs to change to get home court? Who needs to step up? Who do you think the Blazers are going to match up with? Who is underrated? And your past <laughs> and present favorite Blazer player. Go without looking. Do it committing from memory and go. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, so what do you think needs to change for us to get a win? Uh, I think... Ed or Mo coming back, if Ed comes back in the game against Denver, I think that's a huge edge for us getting at least one win in these last two games. Who is the biggest player on our team that needs to step up? Honestly, let's see Baldwin. If he can get some more minutes and continues to show as well as he's been doing on defense, I think that could be a huge part. I, I, I'm just saying, if we saw in these last two regular season games, if Baldwin got minutes, stop looking at the camera like that. I see you over there. <laughs> uh, if Baldwin got minutes in these last two and played as well as he has on defense, I think it'd be hard to keep him out of playoff lineups. So I'm, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you right there. The, the biggest player needs to step up is Wade Baldwin. What? I'm going to say CJ McCollum. I'm, I'm just saying, no, no, no. I'm just oh, saying okay, CJ's okay. been kind of disappointing. The Blazers need him so much more. Wade Baldwin. That's unfair to Wade Baldwin. Okay, keep going. Okay, we need CJ to do more, but he's also been performing. I'm just saying, if you could get this guy to go from nothing to, I don't know. Okay, moving on. Uh, who do you think <laughs> we will match up with in the playoffs? <laughs> I think right now it's looking like we're matching up with uh, most. Right now we're matched up with Spurs if it started today. Uh, Spurs or Pelicans or OKC are probably the most likely ones we're going with. Of those three, I would least like to see the Pelicans, and I think I would most like to see. Oklahoma City, man. I, I think San Antonio gives us trouble. I think the uh, 
I, I have lost a lot of confidence in how I felt about facing San Antonio earlier in the even a couple weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, I would I would probably go for OKC at this point. Which current bench player is most underrated? Wade Baldwin. Yeah, I'm pretty high on him right now. I'm going to answer for that one too. <laughs> just just push that's it home. A more pro- that's is- a more appropriate place to put his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably should have saved the answer for that one. I like CJ though for the uh, who needs to step up. That does make sense. Who who is the past and present favorite Blazer player? Definitely Damian. And, I mean, I know he's not that far past. It's hard for me to not say B-Roy. He just means a lot to me as far as my fandom. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, For me, going backwards, favorite current player, Dame. uh, Favorite past player, you know the answer to this. Brian Grant. Brian Grant. Yep, good call. Uh, I wanted to say Evan Turner. I was so close to saying Evan Turner. (laughs) Uh, I have something to say about Evan Turner, actually. Anyway, I'll I'll save it for now. But uh, bench player that is most underrated? Uh... It's I don't well Wade the, Blazers, the, Blazers, the, the Blazers bench has been not so great. So it's kind of tough to say who's most underrated of those folks. Uh I don't really have a good answer for that. I'm just gonna skip it. What do you think about that? As far as the D-Wade. playoff matchups, there are there's too many teams that are too close together to know. Like if you were I and I you if you know this about me, if you follow me on Twitter at Golder PDX, you'll know that I hate like <laughs> odds and the percentages that they're gonna win this game. It's like that's not how sports yeah. works. But if you're looking at the percentages oh, oh. of which teams the Blazers are gonna play, it's all jumbled. So there's really no way to tell right now. Um the player that that's needs not to, how sports works. It's not how sports work. Sports is a is it, there are too many variables. You have to play the game. You're not rolling dice. We're not playing D and D, although D and D is dope. Um, Nate Duncan says hello. <laughs> who Nate needs, Silver says hello. Who needs to step okay, up? <laughs> uh, CJ, and then what needs to change? I agree. I mean, just getting Ed and Mo back. But besides that, CJ, I think really does have to do uh, even more. Next question here from Steve D at Steve D Hoops. Uh, another triple question. By the way, if you submit more than one question, you only get one submission. So if you're trying to get that Luke Babbitt, hey, nothing's photo, wrong with that. No, let them not. write in all the questions. Well, I just want people to make sure that they know. It's like if they write 15 questions, that doesn't mean they're gonna get 15 chances to win. Uh, Steve asks if you could bring in one former Blazers great to play with this squad for the postseason. Who would it be and why? Bonus with the addition of that player. Uh, would would the addition of whoever that player would be would that get Portland past the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors? So what do you think on that? You could bring in any Blazer to this team, and if you did that, do you get past the Warriors or the Rockets? Oh, my God. I'm sure there I, – yes, I, I'm going to say yes. I, I don't know who it would be. I, I need to I, – I, I'm sure I could go through and pick out the perfect fit on the Blazers. <laughs> Here comes the look again. Uh, there is definitely explain a former yourself. blazer. No, no, no. Yeah, explain you could get, that. You could get Sabas in here. Sabas in here would be like a great you fit for just like someone. You think getting Sabonis is getting us past a healthy Warriors team, really? Uh, there's nothing mentioned about their health. And hey, there's nothing mentioned about our health. If we do you have mean a like like team, do you yeah. mean like USSR Sabonis, like pre knee injury Sabonis, like maybe? <laughs> okay, who would you take? Who are you looking for? I mean, I'd probably go for Bill Walton. Uh, a healthy Bill Walton would be incredible, and I don't think it would get us past the Warriors or the Rockets, which is sad to say, but I just don't think so. I, there's no well, like. Why is that your best answer? You're saying there's no one else that would help us any more than Bill Walton, but he wouldn't help us. Well, I'm just saying, like, I don't think that there's anybody in Blazers history who you could plop onto this team, and then we're better than the Warriors. Like, is we're there? the third seed right now, man. I, I don't. I just. I think. I don't know if we're, we're that far seed, behind. But that like, you look take... at how many wins and losses. It's not like it's close. 
you're you're saying if you couldn't take the best player best former blazer in their prime put them onto this team you don't think that gives enough when we're if we're the third seed right now you don't think that gives us enough even to get by the second seed in the final matchup like say we're facing houston instead of warriors I, I, not I, enough i don't think it gets us past either of those teams and part of it is <sighs> look at the fit so the the best blazers in blazers history bill walton clyde drexler and then you're going like you know maybe brandon roy if he's healthy maybe lamarcus aldridge i mean uh, maybe I, I don't know. And so you look at all those players and where would they fit in? Like Bill Walton, we would take Nurk spot. That doesn't make sense. And then you're not getting the value from Nurk. Clyde Drexler takes CJ spots. You're not getting the value from CJ. Like I just, I don't see how any former blazer great would make this team a number one seed in the West. I just don't see it. Okay. So take this team right now with Nurkic and all they have on the, on the lower end, but take Brandon Roy in his prime, knees aren't going to get injured, but like right where he was in his career before all that happened, you put him in, he's a larger player, so let's not even put him as a two-guard. Let's make him a small forward. You run like Dame C.J. Brandon, put in your four, and put in Nurk at five or Ed Davis at five. That is a powerful lineup. Yeah. Like, just the scoring ability that he has. It's, it's yeah, I guess. And he has length. He can defend. Is that better than Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and everyone else that they yeah. have? Yeah. Is that better than Chris Steph- Paul and James Harden? Like... Dame alone is better than Steph Curry. We've talked about this. God damn Brandon it. Roy, no, Kobe, and other players said Brandon Roy was the toughest guy to cover. So yeah, he could rival KD as far as like offensive output. CJ is definitely as good or better than Clay is. He can do more than shoot. He can do more than catch and shoot. So yeah, he wins that one. Ah, uh, whatever. I just maybe. <laughs> I mean, Next I question. Guess, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. It's all you. <laughs> oh, that, that was excellent, though. That was fun. Okay, next question. Yusuf Chima at Chima underscore Yusuf. Do you think the Blazers will be able to take down the Warriors no. or the Rockets if no. both Ed and Mo no. come back? No. No. No? No? Are you sure? You don't no. want to argue about this one, too? No. Not. Okay, yeah. You're, not you're not probably right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, No. Yeah, it, it's, it's not. Yeah. It, it, with, if both Ed and Mo come back... Uh, I, I think we would need Edmo to come back and we would need the team that we're going to face, whether it's the Warriors or the Rockets, to not be at full health. I think that's the big thing yep. here. If, uh, if, if let's say, the Warriors didn't have Curry, then, yeah, we might have a fair chance in that. They do yeah. a lot worse without Curry. That's fair. I do think if Steph Curry is not 100%. I mean, we saw this, though, right? We saw the Blazers were not as good, yeah. I don't think, as they are now. They played a not-quite-healthy Steph Curry, and he torched them anyway. But a couple things there. A, Steph Curry is not as good as he used to be. He's he's not. And B, the Blazers are better. So, yeah, I think a, a Steph Curryless Warriors or a Steph Curry's not healthy Warriors. The Blazers might get a shot there, but I think you're right. It would take it would take an entry. And to be fair, too, as far as the, the Rockets matchup, we don't know what James Harden is going to do yet. James Harden and Chris Paul, despite being as veteran as they are and as tested as they are and as well uh, renowned as they are in the regular season, neither one of them has ever done jack in the playoffs. I don't think that that's really it's definitely not Chris Paul's fault you look at Chris Paul's production through the playoffs and he is better in the playoffs in the regular season so you could put that on his team Mm. James Harden's different James Harden and part of it is the style of his play right that calls in the playoffs they evaporate a little bit the the refs swallow their whistle a bit and so much of James Harden's game is predicated on initiating contact and selling those calls, yep. um, that foul-seeking behavior, which I totally abhor, that, yeah, I, James Harden does actually get worse usually during the playoffs. So you're right. It's still kind of wait and see on that. But next question here from Monty at HS underscore 12773. Uh, Monty Whoa. says, <laughs> Portland fans are ready to go doom and gloom as soon as the team hits the skids. However, Portland has been missing incredibly key reserves and role players 
Mo and Ed, along with a game without Dame. Am I wrong to think that losing out does not spell disaster for the playoffs? No, you're you're right. I mean, in kind of the same way that we're saying, uh, even if uh, like it's, it, there's a possibility, if things fell right, it is possible that Blazers could beat the Rockets or Warriors. It is totally possible that we could lose out the end of the regular season here and at 48 and 34 and still do fine in the playoffs. But when you lose out like this, obviously it looks bad to the fans that can be hard on the fan base and just kind of the momentum that they might bring for home games as far that's the smallest factor of it. Beyond that, it's going to get in the players heads too. If they, they're going to be wondering what they're doing wrong. They're going to be wondering what they are missing. Uh, so even if Ed and Mo come back and Dame is already back, be already back. If we have no health issues and they just lost out on the season, psychologically, I think that could definitely be a, a hurdle for them going into the postseason. I think the biggest thing here is the Blazers just cannot slip at a home court advantage. And because right. so many teams at the bottom of the West are so jumbled up, to be really honest, the difference between three and four, it doesn't really matter right now. It doesn't matter. Like it'll matter basically. The, the the last game of the season when all of those playoff lineups get set that's when it will matter but the difference between playing a sixth seed and a in a in a fifth seed uh not going to make much of a difference so i'm actually with you and i'm with monty on this it's not going to really matter so long as they do not lose home court advantage and in order for that to happen right. there need to be a series of different things that would have to be very very unlucky so the blazers magic number remember to get home court the magic number is one which means any combination of blazers wins or losses from i believe utah and utah, or yeah. the spurs and the magic number to get third is two so any combination of blazer wins and jazz losses to equal two um so yeah, my thing is get home court. Hopefully you have Ed and Mo back healthy. If so, you're right. I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. This skid to end the season will won't, will, will be forgotten rather quickly. Just one other thing to point out before we move on to the next question. Uh, I think the furthest that the Blazers can even possibly slide if we did lose out is fifth place. So that would lose home court, but it doesn't change the matchup. So that, like you were saying, it, there's not a whole lot that uh, that can really change there. We just It would really help to hold on to home court. Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I would say losing home court would be a giant, massive bummer, uh, and it would right. affect the Blazers' ability to get to the second round. So, yeah, just get fourth, uh, third or fourth, and they should be good. Yeah. Question number nine from Taco Native at Taco Native on Twitter. After the great performance from the bench warmers against Houston, Baldwin mainly, he says, will we see them play more minutes during the playoffs or will Stotts not risk it? Uh, and to be fair, he or she, I don't really know. Uh, women love tacos as, as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, fair. I, I, uh, I will say, first of all, about tacos. Tacos are maybe <laughs> the best food in the world. It's got a chip in it. It's got a little bit of vegetables. It's got some meat if that's your thing. You can put sauce in there. Tacos are amazing. So that's number one. Number two, um, we've talked. We've already talked about this. I don't think the Blazers are going to try to get minutes for Baldwin or for Giannis's dad. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I would like to see minutes for Baldwin. I would like to think that Stotts would be the kind of coach that could see the positional need for a player like Baldwin and play him when he needs to be played. I don't think Stotts is that kind of a coach. I would love to see him surprise us because, again, in the limited minutes that we've seen Baldwin, he's not only not been a detriment, he has been a plus, yeah. particularly on defense. That is valuable in the playoffs when the whistles are swallowed. And that's another thing to think yep. about when the officiating, when they call fewer calls, tougher defense 
has more value and adds more value. So while I don't think we're going to see it, I would like to see it. That's how I would answer that question. But that is definitely something that Portland can be hopeful for too. This year we have much better defense and getting to the postseason, especially with a high seed like this and getting a home court advantage as a defensive team that could really go far. So yeah, fingers crossed, ride that optimism train. Question number 10 from Shane K at Scroker24, which free agents will PDX target in the off season? Oh boy. I don't think any. They don't have any cap space. Oh. <laughs> they can't target anybody. So nobody, which is a bummer, right? I mean, you would love to see if the Blazers had cap space to like pretend like they were in the running for Paul George or something like that would be great. I just don't see it happening. Now, you could have some weird permutation where if someone like whispers, hey, like I'd like to come to Portland, like maybe the Blazers could pull off some kind of an unbalanced trade. I just don't see it happening. So unfortunately, I don't think we have to spend too much time thinking about that. But I don't know. Do you have a different take? No, I, I think the free agents that we're going to be most concerned with this summer are going to be our own. Uh, we want to make sure that we can bring back yeah. the guys we want to bring back and uh, hopefully just get some value for the other guys. Uh, if there was a free agent that I would like, let's say, like you're saying, if an unbalanced trade was going on or if, if someone just had interest in some of our guys and we were trying to uh, get someone back, have a sign and trade or any of that happen. Uh, Will Barton, I saw, he just had something where he did not sign a contract extension with Denver despite them offering him four years and $42 million, I think is what it was. So a pretty fat contract considering what he's gotten paid so far. I would love to see the thrill back here in Portland, but uh, I think part of his deal is that he wants to be a starter. Uh, he doesn't just want the money, he wants the respect, and I'm not really sure if, uh, if we have that spot for him here. It's funny because Will Barton's game lends itself so well to coming off the bench and not being a starter. It's right. just, it's interesting that it, obviously, obviously, if you're a player, one of the 300 best basketball players in the world, you're going to think of yourself pretty highly and want to achieve the highest level possible. So you can't fault him for that. It just his game is tailored so well to coming off the bench. It's interesting. OK, last question from Dustin Abel at Lightning Dustin. I love the optimism here because I'm just going to assume this means the Blazers make the finals worst personnel matchup in the Eastern conference for the portland trailblazers love it. who does the who do the blazers match up worst against in the eastern conference love it that is awesome uh gosh our worst matchup in the eastern conference we've had some pretty rough ones this year i would almost say boston except they've got so many injuries going on i don't feel like they'd be as much of a threat uh hard not to say cleveland i mean lebron is always going to be the best player in any series and so i feel like that's always a matchup that you have to respect Toronto, too. We have not done well against Toronto. Gosh, it's kind of sad that despite how we normally think of the Eastern Conference being the Eastern Conference, those uh, those top matchups that we would see coming over from the East if we make the finals, when we make the finals, excuse me, <laughs> none of them we've fared very well against recently. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with Cleveland, with LeBron James going into playoff mode. They have a center that can stretch the floor. I mean, obviously, Cleveland is not the team that they used to be. Uh, LeBron James is just so unbelievably frightening. Uh, a healthy Celtics would be a very, very difficult proposition, but of course they're not going to be healthy. And Toronto has played better this year than we've ever seen them play before. They're going to set a franchise record in wins. Dwayne Casey has adapted his offense. Uh, DeMar DeRozan keeps getting better. So, uh, you know, any of those top teams would, would give the Blazers fits, but I would say it would probably be Cleveland just by nature of LeBron James being on that team. Now, we've gone through all the questions. We had 11 of them today. We are going to go to random.org, a random number generator, and we are going to pick our winner. So we're going to put in minimum one, maximum 11, hit that generate button, and the result is three. 
Number three, scrolling back to Mitch Hannigan. I don't think he's won in a while, oh, has yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. So, Mitch, congratulations, man. You All have right. won the Chalupa Cabra signed Luke Babbitt photo and that Terry Porter card. You're also getting a Trailcasters postcard. Thank you so much for supporting <laughs> the show always. We love you and thank you. Thank you, Mitch. And remember, you guys, you can write us about anything at any point during the week, preferably Blazers, but we will take all of your Tootsie Roll and other related questions. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook, and Trailcasters at gmail.com. And Brandon, what is that sound I hear? I'm hearing those sweet, sweet beats from Odar. And as usual, our intro and outro beats are brought to you by the fabulous Odar. You can check out his work at soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. Be sure to always hook up with us, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, it is going to be at Trailcasters. And remember, you can send us those emails, trailcasters at gmail.com. The most important thing, though, as always, please give us those five star reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, doesn't matter. We love those five star reviews. So, with all of that being said, Keith, can you please get us all the way out of this podcast? In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you, Odar, for the fappies. Thank you to Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking Oregon. Thank you to Ian Carmel for joining us. And most of all, thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please be sure to come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Here goes the copyright again. Smash Brothers. Oh, they're not. (laughs) Nintendo is better.